It's in the margins. I'm Matt Fisk with Josh Lund and Stephen Little here with us today. How you guys doing? Uh, hello. This is the uh, podcast where we go through, we're making our way through the book of Mark and getting into things that we wouldn't be able to share on a Sunday morning, but taking a journey through the text and uh, we are moving right along. So today we are, um, we're picking up in chapter two, starting, Stephen, where, where are we going to be at today? What's our chunk? So we're going to be reading Mark chapter two here, starting in verse 18 through the end of the chapter going into a little bit of chapter three. Okay, sounds good. So we've just picked up, uh, where where we've left off is these three three stories about Jesus uh, dealing with people, engaging people that would have been considered unclean, they wanted to be kept out, and uh, like the the cleansing of the leper, the healing of the paralytic, and then uh, the calling of Levi and engaging with tax collectors and sinners. So Jesus is is establishing his kingdom uh, in a way that that's bringing people in that the religious establishment had kept out. So now we'll pick up here in verse eighteen. So cool. I'll go ahead and read that. Starting in verse eighteen, um, chapter two. It says, "Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus." How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. No one sews a patch of unstrung cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse, and no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard about all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. Because the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed many so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. 
Whenever the impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell others about him. There's a lot there, man. Woo, That's a big a chunk. My goodness. Pause. Reflect. Selah. <laughs> Amen. Wow. So lots going on here. This is uh, this is pretty exciting. Yeah, indeed. I think this uh, you know this passage following up from the previous week where Jesus is really addressing a lot of heart issues and the religious establishment. I mean, he goes after them once again, uh, pretty directly. Uh, one that's pretty hard to avoid. But I think there's a couple remezes in here Ooh. that uh, spark my interest. Jumping to the remezes, yeah. All right. Now, for those of those of our listeners that haven't followed along since the beginning, what's a remez? You know, the remezes are just Easter eggs of Old Testament stories that the crowd would have known. I and, like Easter. <laughs> and uh, Joshua, uh, Josh. I mean, do you know uh, one of these where it's talking about old wineskin and old clothing? Gosh, that's a that's a good point. Um, I think, uh, well, well, one story that I think about is when Joshua was entering into the promised land, right? And there were those, those um, wh- who were the people? Where did they come from? They're the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites, right? They come and they, they, they basically are kind of afraid of the Israelites and they, they want to deceive them so that they'll make some kind of... Um, yeah, you know, connection or agreement between them that hey, basically, we'll uh, we'll we'll let you guys kind of live amongst us because of who you are, right? They fill these things with old wine skins with wine to make it look like they've been kind of battered and tattered, and um, in the end, they deceive. Yeah, like if I'm okay, so I would never have thought of this story. I had to do a, a search, a Bible search, and wine skins, and this is what pulled up. But and and remember, like Israel had just like conquered Jericho, conquered AI. They were like the powerhouse, and the Gibeonites were like, "Well, we don't want to die, so we're going to trick them. We're going to say, hey, we're from a faraway place. Let's make a covenant so that you don't attack us.' Instead of and what the truth is that they lived right next to them." So they were really close. So it was a deception there. So instead of asking for them, hey, like, can you not kill us? Let's be friends. It was more like, let's trick you. Yeah. But they did it with what what you said. They brought wineskins that have burst. So we've been far away and our garments have worn out. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's that's an interesting remez because here is Jesus introducing some new things. And so I think it's pretty particularly interesting that he goes back to that story of deception. What do, you, what do you think, Matt? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I've been wrestling with this, um, that why, like, why on earth would Jesus, you know, reference this of, okay, so there's a covenant, but it's under false pretenses and, and all that kind of stuff. I, I wonder if, if Jesus is pointing out that maybe there's a false covenant being pointed out or being lived out and being held to by the religious world of the time. Um, and instead of... You know, he's, Jesus is is trying to bring in something new, something better, something richer. But it's like the the religious world is so like, hey, this is how we've done it for centuries, and we're going to keep doing this. And instead of, and this is the thing, like wrestling through this, the Gibeonites could have just asked Israel, like, hey, show us mercy. You're kicking everybody to the curb. Right. Please don't kill us. And instead, they deceived. Instead, they tried to, you know worm their way in a little bit and they did but in the same way like okay so maybe the covenant of the day if they you like approaching god and asking for mercy rather than having to engage in this like super religious covenant may, maybe yeah. that could have been something 
Well, it's interesting too, because like we just got done, Matt, you preached on this Sunday, um, fantastic job, but about all these people on the outside, right? And how hard the uh, religious people of that day made it for them to come back on the inside, right? It was all of this yeah. us versus them. And then you've got the Gibeonites who are certainly on the outside. And what they, like, they think they have to deceive. They, they think they have to do all this hard stuff to get in, right? Mm. To be a part of the people of God, right? Or to be protected by them. And yeah. so um, I feel like it does kind of match up even in that way, where it's, it's there's outsiders um, yeah. having to uh, kind of put everything on the line, um, and, oh, it's kind of like like the 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 king, the mighty one is coming. Most people think when a mighty one comes, he's coming to destroy. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's like actually, yeah. I'm, I'm coming to bring everybody in. Right. right. So as again, like Jesus, completely subverting expectations of what the mighty yeah. one looks like. This kingdom is super different. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's cool that you know I I kind of jumped the gun here because we actually skipped I I skipped the first part. But I, I think it's good to ask that question and dig into what is Jesus really trying to get here? Because he's talking about the guests of a bridegroom fast while he is with them. So, you know, Jesus is questioned by these guys, the Pharisees. Why are your disciples not fasting mm. while everybody else is fasting? And Jesus talks about this bridegroom. I mean, what, what do we got there? Hey, I. It beats me. I mean, when it comes to the whole idea of a bridegroom, right? I mean, we go to weddings. I'm sure weddings that were a lot different back then. But I know I've been. Uh, I was in Matt's wedding, which was awesome. You yeah. know, one of the groomsmen, and <laughs> I was in yours. Yep. Hey. He was. Yep. We were both bridegrooms, and and we had a blast, right? Like we, we weren't did. fasting the day you Absolutely know before. Not. We were. Um, we were <laughs> hanging out and um, you know having having a good time, and so I think it does make sense, right? Like it's a time of celebration. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. Um, but what Jesus is trying to get at, I mean, I feel like it's it's got to be deeper than that. Okay, so I did a bunch of work on this one. I nerded out hard Come on, on bridegroom. <laughs> and uh, okay, so um, in Jeremiah particularly, the image of the bridegroom is used a lot. But for the vast majority, the first like several verses or several references in Jeremiah 7, Jeremiah 16, and Jeremiah 25 is all about God removing the joy of like the the bridegroom is used to to represent the joy of Israel and the favor of God and God basically says yeah that's not going to be a thing for you guys uh, in mm. Jeremiah twenty five it said God, uh, God says moreover I will banish from the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride the grinding of millstones the light of the lamp the whole land shall become a ruin and waste and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon for 70 years so this is this is the the mindset okay the bridegroom in Jeremiah is mostly like God taking away the favor of of his favor for Israel because they done messed up. Mm. They messed up hard. But that's not where Jeremiah ends up. Jeremiah 33 verses 1 through 26. Please go back and read that on your own. Like the whole thing. But all of this, this is the crazy part. God promises that he his anger will not last forever and that he will mm. restore the fortunes of Judah. And this is my favorite part if you um in verse uh, 7 and 8 of that he says, um, I will restore the fortunes of Judah and the fortunes of Israel and rebuild them as they were at first. I will cleanse them from all the guilt of their sin against me, and I will forgive all of the guilt and the sin of their rebellion against me. The city shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, a glory before all the nations of the earth. And so you have all that. God's going to restore the fortune. But right after that, 
right after that, down in verse 14, uh, the, God says, I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days, at that time, I will cause a righteous branch and Nazir, by the way, from like Nazareth to spring up from David. And those days Judah will be saved. You will dwell securely. And God says, um, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. So remember that covenant that God made with Israel? Like, I'm never going to let David's like, um, David's always going to have somebody that sits on the throne. Mm -hmm. And, and so (laughs) I love this in verse 19. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, if you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night so that day and night will not come at their appointed time, then also my covenant with David, my servant may be broken. Wow. Okay. It's, it's so, <laughs> so, so here's, here's the idea. Like the reason I'm bringing all of this up is because that would have been a huge image of the bridegroom mm. coming in saying like, look, I've made this covenant. And it is a covenant of mercy and of favor, regardless of what you've done. In fact, I am more willing to negotiate the time of day and night than I am to negotiate my faithfulness to my people. Mm. So, so going back to Jesus, like the bridegroom is here. Mm. God is, re- I'm, he's holding on to his covenant and y'all are missing that by fasting. This is mm. good day. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, I, I would be more likely to, to, to shut off the daytime when it's daytime than I would to break this, mm. but you missed it. It's like their, it's like their experiences and their religious pride blinded them from this reality. And I, I'm trying to imagine myself being there and then hearing this in realizing this story and recalling this scripture, I would have such a difficult time. Like, how is this possible? It's not looking the way I thought it would look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think what's interesting, like if we ask ourselves why were the Pharisees and, you know, um, John's disciples fasting, I think it helps us understand kind of the whole chunk of scripture here a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and all these remezes that we're pointing out, which I think are just super cool, um, you know, but uh, with, with the Pharisees, right? They often fasted, you know, a couple times a week. I mean, right. it was just it was just tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, they 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 fasted on account of the law. Um, it was you know Leviticus sixteen twenty nine. Go back and read it. But it talks about this idea of constantly bringing yourself kind of lower. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, they the, the way they would have put that into practice was just constantly fasting. But then you've got John's disciples who are also fasting. And why might John's disciples have been fasting? Well, John was just arrested. Yeah, John's in prison, right? <laughs> yeah. So they're fasting for the release of their rabbi. Yeah, they're mourning. Yeah, exactly. So you've got the Pharisees fasting, um, waiting for the kingdom to arrive um, as they mm. keep themselves low. You've got John's disciples fasting, waiting for the release of their rabbi. And then you've got Jesus who doesn't expect his people to fast because in his eyes, he's fulfilling both of the things that wow. they're waiting for. That's amazing. He's the rabbi that's coming. He's the fulfillment of the kingdom that's to be brought that the Pharisees are waiting for to happen. Mm. And and this is where the whole idea of the old wineskins and new wineskins come in. He's right. like, listen, the old wineskins, the old garments, they're these old things that you're waiting for. Like the new doesn't fit with that. I'm the new. And the only way that somebody's going to understand is, is if they're starting to look for something different. Mm. And the, it, that makes me think like there's a story, there are assumptions about God that we make when we, w- the way the Pharisees and the way that John's disciples are looking at it. It's like, 
God will only be merciful towards me if I act the right way right. or that he's withholding, waiting for me to do the right thing. When Jesus is like, no, time is here. It wasn't about your fasting. It was about my goodness because I'm always doing that. And it makes me think, well, how do I view God? Right. How do, what's my assumption? Am I, do I think that God is withholding goodness from me until I do the right things? Or do I trust that he's always working for the good because he's more likely to break his covenant with the day and night than to not show mercy to me? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot there. You know, I think we've got a lot of, a lot of scripture left. I think it'd be great to, <laughs> yeah. to, oh, yeah. <laughs> to dive in. I mean, Oops. there's, again, it's, it, it continues to blow my mind how much you can get out of, you know, just a few verses and honestly how the spirit worked yeah. in, uh, in these guys. Yeah, I mean, um, he, he, he continues to address these preconceived notions and ideas by the Sabbath. I mean, there's mm. these two, uh, stories, one of eating and the other of healing. I mean, what's what's up with that? Well, one thing that stuck out to me that I that I I would love y'all's thoughts on, and 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 I don't know, you, you know, they're they're going through and they're eating the grain of the unharvested kind of corners of the fields, right? right. Like that yeah. was a law back in the Old Testament. Hey, yeah. leave some of your grain unharvested so that the poor can come through and eat it, and 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 so that's what they're doing. But who did Jesus just call to follow him? Levi? Yeah, tax collector. And a a rich man. A rich man. Like <laughs> how, so you've got he's just like, you know, and he's just spent all this time with these rich, wealthy tax collectors right. and stuff like that. Like that says something about Levi and the change mm, that he yeah. made in his life. I just thought that was wow. really cool. Oh, that, that is a good cool idea. It's this poor group of guys, but one of them was just wealthy. Um there's been there's been some kind of change that's been made in his life. Um so don't know if that has anything to do with anything else that Mark's <laughs> talking about, but I did think that was cool. That is cool. Well, I I think now that you've kind of pointed that out and a bunch of other stuff, so you've got um, you've got all these questions about fasting. You got questions about the the Sabbath, and we, we the that Jesus is bringing a new covenant. I think he's at like he's kind of told a couple parables about the wineskins and the bridegroom. Now it's more like okay, so that's the fun, uh, you know, kind of preaching, inspiring thing. So how do you actually live that out? Well, it's it's like this. Hmm. It's um, not, not holding people to these rigid rules. It's mm. that what's always right. What's always good about this new covenant is mercy. Mm. What's always good is to do good. It's okay to show mercy to people and, and to give bread to someone if it helps them on the Sabbath, even if it violates quote unquote, the rules of the, of the structure, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough pill to swallow. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, that that's un, that's an uncomfortable place for me because then it's like, I like black and white. Yeah, I I do not like gray because gray is uncomfortable, and uh, you know that's where I can really relate to these Pharisees of like, hold up, <laughs> you're you're breaking the rule. But Jesus is really, I mean, compassion, especially with this story of healing, right? Just like. What is what is better to do yeah. on the Sabbath? And yeah. uh, it's a very challenging thought and an uncomfortable one for me. Yeah, well, I, I was doing a little bit of research about the, the the rabbis would teach stuff or the sages would teach that the the to fulfill Torah, the highest level of doing anything is to save a life. Hmm. And is to, if you save uh, a life, that supersedes all the other 
commandments, yeah, which I find sense. is really, really interesting. And I think this is where, like, this is where the rubber meets the road. What does that actually look like? Well, the Sabbath is super important to honor. The Sabbath is, it's, it makes the 10 commandments, but because of God's, it's, it's like the, the, the teaching of the time was like, look, it's way more important to save lives, to show mercy than it was to hold on to this stuff. But as a religious person, like the Pharisees were like, oh, this is, it's no, no, we need to keep this. This, these are the traditions. This is how it goes. But like for me personally, I'm like looking at it like, okay, so I should violate those things Mm. in order to show mercy in order to save a life. Mm. And like you said, it's scary. It's scary to, to go like, okay, well, well, what, what does that mean? I, I don't actually know, but I know the, what the priority is. <laughs> right. And it, like, you can't give a rule for all time, but it, it's like, okay, what it looks like is show mercy, show love yeah. towards a person instead of whatever you think the your duty as a religious person goes. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but nowhere in the law does it actually say you cannot pick grain on the Sabbath, does it? No. In fact, I think it assumes that. Like I think it right. This is just one of the added laws that the, the yeah. teachers of the law would have added, right? And 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 if you think about even what he references with David, he says that consecrated bread is for who? The priests, priests. right? And and guess who gives the bread to David? Right, as a priest. Right. And, yeah. And, and I love Jesus is so smart because not only does he reference David, who would have been held such in high regard of all the Jewish people, yep. But he says, guess who gave it to him? Mm. The high priest. The Pharisees are not going to argue with something that the high priest does. Yeah, they're going to be like, "Okay, well, I guess that he is the high priest." <laughs> you know, so, yeah, um, but hard I, to come back from that. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that that's where he introduces that idea of the Sabbath was made for man, mm. not man for the Sabbath. Uh, it's it's this incredible thought, and really, I mean, the heat is turned up from mm-hmm. this moment on. Because we see that after Jesus heals this man on the Sabbath and opens up his hand, that uh, some plotting is going on here. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Like somebody's plotting because you're healing people, which is weird. Yeah. And plotting to kill in many translations. Yeah. I mean, uh, maybe you can fill me in really quickly on these Pharisees. Because I understand the Pharisees, but what's up with Herodians? Like, why is that significant? Yeah, um, feel free to to add to this, but I think, you know, the Herodians were, they were Jews, but they had been highly influenced by the Greek culture and the Greek life. They sided a lot with Herod. Um, In fact, some of them kind of saw Herod as the the potential Messiah. I mean, Herod would have been richer than anybody who's ever existed on this earth. Ooh, he Um, would have looked like the mighty one. Exactly. Oh, he had all the money and all the power. (laughs) Oh, interesting. So you've got the Herodians. Yeah, they're they're these, I mean, they're pretty worldly Jews. I mean, they would have followed some of the customs of, uh, of, um, of the day, but they, they were also highly influenced by the, the, um, the world. Mm. So I'm assuming the Pharisees would not like that. They were best friends. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. Well, I think that says a lot about them plotting together. I, I got a question on that. Maybe you guys can help me out. I get why the Pharisees want to kill Jesus, right? He's breaking all the rules. In fact, it almost would have been lawful, right? Because he basically calls himself God. Sure. Because, you know, he forgives this guy's sins, all these kinds of things, right? Yeah. Let's stone him. He's blaspheming. Why in the world would the Herodians, one, interact with people they hate, but also want to kill Jesus? I don't get it. I, I have a thought with that. Uh, it threatens their comfort. 
because you were talking about Levi, who was just called as a, as a disciple, and here he is living as a poor man, mm. a peasant, uh, and that's very threatening. Comfort is a wonderful thing. That's a great point because the only other time the Herodians are mentioned in Mark is right after Jesus talks about the temple tax. Mm. And then you've got a tax collector. So maybe there is mm. something about yeah. the Herodians and their taxes, which go yeah. to Herod and, yeah. hey, yo, step, step away from my money. <laughs> keep away. Something funny about money. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> That's a great question. I've never thought of that before. So so let's let's bring it to let's bring it to 21st century America. Like if I'm driving in my car, I'm on my way to work or I'm coming home from work, what do I do with all of this? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> yeah, so so what do we see kind of connecting all this kind of stuff? Like like what is what is the main thrust that Jesus is trying to get across to these people that we can bring to our lives today? I mean, I I think we've we've talked about it a bit, you know, the idea of of what what religion quote unquote, what all of this stuff that we do to be close to God, to honor God is meant to do. And, uh, Steven, you had a good question about that. The question I ask myself and that I would propose is how do I measure my righteousness? And typically it's how long did I read my Bible? How many people did I reach out to? What rules did I follow? I don't think of mercy. And I think this is, Jesus is definitely pointing out how much mercy are we giving? Yeah, I mean, I, I think in, in Matthew, this version, or the, the version that Matthew records of this story ends with he Jesus interacting with the Pharisees. And in Matthew 12, verse 7, it says, If you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. There's an assumption that there's no guilt for somebody who breaks a Sabbath in order to show mercy. Mm. And that even, like, it's not sacrifice it's mercy Mm. which is actually it sounds like at first like well that's kind of weak that's kind of like new agey Mm -hmm. actually much harder to extend true love true compassion true mercy than it is to offer quote-unquote a sacrifice which is a one-time deal is following the religious rule Mm. and it's what jesus has been doing this whole time right being willing to become unclean right to help the leper and to show him love that he's not received before um, you know, obviously to break what they would have considered laws on the Sabbath. I mean, um, and, you know, I love how Jesus says in, you know, the middle of this chunk, he says, um, you know, the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And that idea of, you know, son of man doesn't always mean Messiah. It could just mean the son of men, like, right? Like man. Yeah. yeah. And just how, you know, it seems like God, you know, even the Sabbath, one of the largest followed laws back then to to, to obey it. You know, God's like, hey, no, I, I made this for you, not, you know, to hold you down. I mm-hmm. made this to help you, to show you mercy, to give you a time to relax and rest and Amen. enjoy life rather than to stress out about all the things you have to do. Like, I I want to have mercy rather than you have to sacrifice all these different. Mm-hmm. Well, to take Stephen's question and to extrapolate a little bit, not just how I measure my righteousness, but how do I measure the righteousness of other people? Mm-hmm. Right. Do I use the religious expectations and the rules to beat people with and to exclude them and to go, well, I'm a better Christian than you. I go to more church. I read more of my Bible yeah. when the measure of that, and not that we should get competitive about our mercy showing. <laughs> Cause I think that that takes away the true mercy, the, the, the realness of it. But like that, that's it. Like 
it's not about how many rules you follow. It's a, if you really are honoring God, if you really are quote unquote following the rules because you love God so much, you're gonna love people. Yeah. But if the compassion and mercy for people is missing, then it doesn't matter how many rules you follow, you've missed out on the heart. And you end up like Amen. the Pharisees and the Herodians. Yep. I think that's uh, <laughs> that's that's a lot of ground. Amen. <laughs> We've covered a lot. So uh, I think that's going to do it for us today. Amen. Well, hey, thanks for joining us on In the Margins. This is Josh Lund with Matt Fisk and, and Stephen Little. You can check us out on nvcoc.church. Um, that's our church website, which will guide you here, or on nvca.academy. Or novachurch.academy as well. There you so go. Both of those work. Any which way you want. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we look forward to next time.